Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 40 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode Return to Sekiro, because I actually completed Sekiro, and I went for, out of the four endings, I went for the return ending, which is apparently, from what I can see online, the most difficult ending to get. Really, you beat the same amount of bosses and kind of go through the same general steps. There's just some side things to go to and stuff like that to actually get that ending. But before we get into that, let me just tell you that if you want to support me in any way, shape, or form, this episode will hit Monday uh, at 7 a.m. at www.gamewithgrief.com. You can go there, um, leave a comment below the video, something like that if you want to support me, or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, drop me a line, tell me what you think of the show. Very soon, I'm going to put this actually on iTunes. Uh, that's my project. I'm actually recording this early, kind of get the jump on it. It's probably going to be a longer episode, and I'm going to warn everybody right now, there's going to be full spoilers for Sekiro, um, because I'm going to talk about that game a lot. It's crazy that this is the big 40th episode special, I guess. But um, I think, honestly, this is the first game I've, uh, I won't say 100%, but I've, I've actually seen the credits roll on a game uh, for this podcast. Most of them I've been sampling a lot of games and stuff like that, but this is a really big undertaking. I've been playing other games for the podcast, uh, like Outer Wilds. Um, I've been playing like Super Bloody Blood Hockey and all that, like other small indie games and stuff. But um, this is the first one I think I rolled credits on. I really, really enjoyed it. I just checked right before I started recording. My playtime is, um, I think it's 126 hours, but that could be wrong. There's a lot of dots in the uh, in the time. I'm not really familiar with how they're keeping time, but it's got to be at least, um, I know it's at least 60 or 70 because that's the last time I checked before I completed the ending, and I went right back into the game and started playing again. So... There's four basic endings in the game, and I'm going to explain those because, uh, I and I hate to do this and be a douche, but there's a lot of, um, uh, there was so many videos I looked at online on YouTube, I can't really shout one out because um, I just watched so many on the endings and things like that and lore and uh, just to do a little bit of research for this podcast. And then I was interested in the lore of the game. It's very deep. There's things on the margins you really have to pay attention to. So it was a game that I really tried to kind of dig in and learn a little bit more about. Um, yeah, that uh, there's several bosses in the game. Basically, the setup of the game is like this. It is a third-person action game. I think I've described this before, but I'll just go over the general beats. It's a third-person action game. It came out in uh, March of 2019. And... Uh, it won some awards at the Video Game Awards Show. It won Game of the Year for 2019. Uh, GameSpot actually awarded a Game of the Year. Uh, so, um, yeah, it is very well regarded. You know, it's made by a company called From Software. Uh, they've made other games. Like, they started years ago with the Tenchu series on the PlayStation. And now they've migrated all the way to Demon Souls on the PS3. Uh, they did some other games like The Killing, the Killing Fields, I believe. Um and now they're on to, uh, you know, this. They've done Demon Souls. They've done Dark Souls, all three of them. They did Bloodborne and Sekiro's their newest game. They're supposedly working on a new game with George R. R. Martin called Elden Ring. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, there was like press for that and like a trailer. So I don't really know if that's going to be a working title and they're somehow going to change the title. I doubt that. I think that's going to be the title moving forward. But um, yeah, this is a really good game. You know, each game in the From Software, like the kind of modern From Software, uh, has kind of a theme. And uh, Demon Souls, excuse me, and Dark Souls kind of share this medieval kind of gothic theme. You know, you're a knight or warrior kind of going through this mythological land. Uh, and I don't know a lot about the lore of each of those games. I know that they've been broken apart just like other From Software games because From Software is very good about bearing their lore in certain places of the game where you really have to dig around, read item descriptions, keep talking to NPCs to get their dialogue to run out. All things that really kind of show a massive, amazing world. So, um, you know, this is no exception. So Demon Souls and Dark Souls kind of share this like medieval kind of gothic DNA where both games have a distinct story, but they're set in like a medieval setting. Um, you make a knight or a mage or uh, a mage in quotes, probably. Um, but anyway, you go through the land, you kill bosses that are very difficult. Um I, you know, everybody always focuses on how difficult each from software game is, and they are they are difficult. Um, but I think in a way, if you enjoy them, they become more rewarding. I know they push back a lot. In fact, it's weird. I've played a lot of from software games. I've completed Demon Souls. I've played Bloodborne for about I think fifty hours. I completed Sekiro. Now I played very little Dark Souls. I got the collection, which is a I think I think like two blu-rays or three blu-rays but they remastered on the new consoles uh all the uh dark souls so i'm gonna start playing those uh probably in the foreseeable future and i'll let you guys know how i think about those but uh moving so you got demon souls dark souls all kind of a medieval vibe then you go to bloodborne which people still think is kind of the pinnacle it is a gothic theme in kind of midi in um kind of industrial like you know post uh, industrial London, so like Victorian London, the streets are very dirty. Um, it's got a very gothic horror vibe, so there's kind of like this cosmic horror of these creatures you fight. You're a hunter trying to clear the city uh, from this nightmare of creatures that is attacked. And that game also has three endings that uh, deviate from good, bad. And I've actually looked at videos on the Bloodborne because I played it so much. I want to know more about the lore. Um, I didn't really think it was a spoiler to look at the endings because it all kind of winds into each other. And Anyway, uh, I don't think in Bloodborne any of the endings are good. So if you're going to Bloodborne going, man, I hope this turns out all right, you're probably going to be disappointed. But Sekiro for me was interesting going into it because, like I said, you know, one of their earlier games was Tenchu, which I really loved back in the day. I think it was on the PS1. Um, and I really loved it, and uh, they did uh, Tenchu 2, uh, Birth of the Stealth Assassins, um, right after that, and um, I really enjoyed those. That like It really, in those games, trained you that you got more points, and you did better in the game if you snuck around. If you straight up walked up to somebody and stabbed them with your sword, you would, um, you would get a low score because they scored you at the end of the level, and you would get a ranking like A, B, C, and D, but it was like Master, Shinobi, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I remember when I first put it in with my roommate, we were trying to figure it out. We were just going up to guys. We thought it was like an action game. So you just go up to guys, try to stab them. Then you get stabbed and you die. Then we figured out that the idea was that uh, you had to do stealth kills. So then we really started trying to maximize our score. We were doing competitions in Tenchu where we would come home and try to beat each other's high score. And that was really fun. Um, So that was neat. And Sekiro to me is... You know, has a lot of inspiration in that because there's death blows, meaning you could sneak up behind someone, get an instant kill, just like Tenchu. Uh, it is easier in the game to go through um, and stealth kill people because if you try to do it, um, you know, you'll get overrun with enemies. Yes, you can break people's posture, which is another very interesting mechanic that I don't think another game has done before. Um, so everybody, including yourself, has a posture gauge. It's used. Yours is obviously displayed on the bottom near your character in the center of the screen. The enemies is displayed at the top of the screen. And what happens is it grows out from the center. It starts out as like two arrows that kind of grow out in a bar towards the ends. It starts out yellow and then slowly turns orange and then turns red. It starts to change color as the meter the meter grows and what you want to do is break someone's posture because once it the meter fills out and breaks you can get an instant uh an instant death blow on them instead of just trying to whittle their health down many enemies especially bosses have several markers by a red dot above their health meaning that's technically how many health bars they have but if you know how to break someone's posture you can do very little damage to them but break their posture. And how you do that is you continually hit them. Their posture will go up a little bit because they're trying to deflect. If they swing their sword at you and you time it just right and hit the uh, block button, you will deflect their blow, which does even more posture. There's other things in the game like the Makiri counter, which is literally you stepping on someone's blade when they go to do a thrust attack. That does more posture damage, which is pretty amazing. You can even uh, make that so it does even more through a level up system in the game. I think this, in my uh, knowledge, this is the first from software game with actual skill points. Kill enemies, you get skill points, you bank your skill points, you buy new skills. Kind of a standard thing in RPG, but from software games are known for being more challenging. So what they do in the game is when you die, you lose half of your XP and half of your money. Uh, what happens is, if say you have two skill points and like halfway to third, you will lose half but the skill points you've earned are locked so say you have two skill points and you keep dying to a boss believe me that's happened to me before you keep dying you keep dying you keep dying what do you do all right well i'm just gonna you know am i just gonna keep losing skill points no the two you have are locked in and they stop deducting from you when you get to zero in your skill point meter uh and uh the, the most amount of money I think you can ever have is one because obviously they can't cut your money in half. There's something called Unseen Aid, which they call the Buddha's Blessing. It starts out at 30%, which means there's a 30% chance that when you wake up from dying or respawn back in that you won't lose anything. People will get sick in the game and get Dragon Rot, which is another thing that's amazing. The more times you die in the game, uh, people around you start getting sick. They start coughing. They won't have dialogue options. They'll just cough in front of you and that's it. The more and more times you die, that'll happen to people, and then things will start getting closed off. Like I said, people won't talk to you. You won't be able to do side quests. It kind of narrows your thing. Now, there's items you get to remove Dragon Rot, which is nice, um, but it feels really terrible that if you're doing really terribly at the game, that you're literally making everybody around you sick. So that doesn't feel good at all. Um, 
But uh, what else? I'm trying to think. So my early impressions were, yeah, this is pretty good, just like a From Software game. I bounce off them pretty quickly, so I'll put a bunch of hours into them. Man, this, I really loved it, really loved it. And then I'll put it down for some reason. Ah, it's too hard. need to get better, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll just start thinking about it and reading about it. And I think what really put it in my mind this time was all the accolades it's gotten. Like I said, it won at the Game Awards uh, for Game of the Year, which is kind of out of, out of the blue. There was a lot of good games, uh, and it won. Not to say it's a terrible game or anything, but from software games, you know, get a lot of praise, I think, from critics and fans of the genre, but I don't think they get a lot of massive, like, tons and tons of awards, you know? So it's kind of nice to see them win. And... Uh, I heard a lot of people start talking about the game, you know, because it's, it won all these awards. So people talk about how great it is. So I was like, you know what? I've been playing. I've been messing around with this game for a little bit. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to complete it. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. I completed the game uh, and it was rough. I watched a lot of videos, like I said earlier, online and on tutorials on where to find items because, again, From Software is very good about hiding things in the margins. You can't just go out and find stuff. You really have to look or use someone's help to do it, and that was really fun to do that. Even using guides, it's fun to be like, I did that. Because some of them will be like, okay, well, here's where you have to go, but like you have to beat this thing. I think the biggest boss I had a problem with is something called the, the Demon of Hatred. If you go to YouTube... Type in Sekiro and type in Demon of Hatred. You'll see the boss battle. There's one movie does, which is kind of an unblockable attack. And people on YouTube, they're not lying. There's a video proof of it on YouTube of them just jumping out of the way and they miss the attack. Every video I saw, just jump out of the way. No big deal, just jump out of the way. Well, I couldn't jump out of the way. He must have killed me several times. I mean, I lost count how many times he killed me. Finally... I was able to kill him, and then even the last boss wasn't even that difficult because I'd been beaten to the ground so much with the Demon of Hatred that it was no big deal uh, to beat the last guy. I say no big deal. It took a few nights, maybe two, three hours, um, but it was pretty amazing to do that. And so what I did for just kind of a feeler as I went back in and I started playing the game because you keep everything that you've acquired in the game, and then if you start a new playthrough... Uh, they just scale everything up so the enemies do more damage, but you still have your health the way it was. So if you've maxed out your health, which you can do through the game, or maxed out how many healing items you have, which you can do in the game, all that stuff carries over with you, which is really, really nice. You know, you don't lose everything. Um, all the You have to acquire texts, which are basically just like old, they look like old books in the game. And that's how you learn skills. It opens up like a skill tree. You have a book that opens six or seven skills. I think there's five books through different arts that you learn. And then that will open uh, up all your skills. You get to keep all that. You keep all the skill points you've acquired. But everything scales to where it was when you started New Game Plus. So like the more skill points you have, the higher you need to get. You need to get even more to get to the next level. Which I think is something I've noticed in their other games like Bloodborne. Seems like you keep having to get more stuff. And things like that. Um, so I, again, I can't, uh, you know, I can't uh, say how much how great the game is. There's another part of the game which I really enjoy, which is the resurrection mechanic. Through a lower reason, which I'll get into later, uh, you have the ability to resurrect yourself. In the beginning, you have one time you can resurrect yourself. Then, through various means, you find two other ways to resurrect yourself. So in total, you have three chances to resurrect yourself. But it doesn't come without a limit. You can't just pop up 
somebody will down you in battle, um, and then you can pop up uh, right away. And you can use it as um, kind of a feign if someone attacks you. Most common enemies will turn your back on you and go back to their normal patrol. So if you wait long enough and resurrect, you can sneak behind them and get a death blow because they're unaware, and that feels very gratifying because, ha-ha, I'm back. That's really gratifying to do that to people. So um, the other thing is you get one automatically for resting at an idol, which are save points and fast travel points throughout the game. They're Buddha idols that you rest at. Uh, you get one of those automatically for resting. Every time you rest, it pops back up if you use it. The other two are hard fought. What happens is... The moment you pop up, a black line, like a paint line, goes through the other two symbols, meaning you cannot use it until you complete a death blow or a stealth attack on an enemy. Then those will unlock again. But if you use the other two, they're completely used up until you complete. It, it's, like a, it's like a piece of pie that you have to fill up. So when you use it, it's at zero, and then every enemy you kill, you get like 5 or 10% added to the pie until it fills back up to 100 and then it unlocks that. So I hope that's clear. Uh, so basically, if you use both uh, the separate resurrections, you have to fill those meters back up before you can use them again. You'll only have the one you get when you get resting in a bonfire. And I think it's a really interesting mechanic in a game. If you're like, yeah, you can pop right up after you get downed, but do you want to? You know, like you definitely have to time it. If you're doing a boss battle, you get a death blow at the end of the phase of the boss battle because some bosses have several phases like i mentioned before so you'd say to yourself okay i have two you know i have two resurrections left he has three phases so i have to live through at least the first phase and then on the second phase if i get downed i can pop back up again but i can't die in the second phase i can only die in the third phase so that way i can pop back up again and get a chance so when you pop up you only have half of your health so that's another thing and sometimes it's very cheap. I was playing the Demon of Hatred. I mentioned I hated him. And what happened was I thought, I got this. I have one more resurrection. We're in the last phase. Well, right when I went to pop up, he did this big fire spell that basically nuked the ground in front of me and killed me instantly. So I popped up. You maybe have one or two frames where you're invincible. We're talking about frames. So the moment I popped up and walked sideways or tried to jump to get out of the flames, I was instantly killed, and it was not fun at all. And that was just one of my many deaths to the Demon of Hatred. But you have to be careful when you use it because if someone's in the middle of an animation, like a you know swinging a sword or something like that, like you could get screwed over. I have noticed on New Game Plus, which I really like, you still do an amazing amount of damage because you've leveled up since the first... Uh, obviously the first areas of the game. So when you go back to the first area of the game being leveled up, um, they have a little bit more health, they give you more XP, but you're doing much more damage to their posture. Every enemy in the game has a posture meter, but they're able to do more posture damage to you. Your posture meter doesn't replenish like it did in the first game. So it's a really interesting like push and pull. Um, there's other ways to make the game more difficult if you want to do that. The boy you're protecting, Kuro, you're his uh, protector. He has a charm. If you give it to him, uh, the game will become harder by when you block. Instead of before you block, no damage. You just blocked it. Now when you block and they try to hit you, if you're blocking and not deflecting, you take a small amount of damage. So, yep, good luck with that. And there's also a bell you find way up in a tower on a mountain. 
called the Demon Bell. If you ring the bell, uh, more risk, more reward. Enemies, I believe, had more health. They're harder to down, but they give away more money and items. So it's all up to you if you want to do that. I decided not to do that. For me, that was a waste of time not doing it. So, yes. Um, I think basically that's my general impressions of the game. I think it's a lot of great things from other From Software games. You can feel little bits and pieces here and there. Like in Bloodborne, if you get attacked, your health is red. When you get hit, it goes down, and the portion you got hit is yellow. Or, yeah, orange kind of. You can go back into the fray, hit people, and get a little bit of your health back. It's really cool. Risk of war. Do I want to go back in, try to hit this guy hard, get a little health back, or do I just want to hang back and heal? It's a great option. In Sekiro, uh, there's an ability you get where every death blow that you do on somebody, you get a little bit of your health back. So it actually pays you to be a little bit stealthy or just get a death blow. And it scales with how much life you have. So early on, didn't have a lot of life, wasn't getting a lot of life back. Now I've almost maxed my health out. There's a couple things I have to find. I have to actually play the game again. And you basically relive a memory, which I'll get into later with lore. But then you find two new objects to basically increase my health all the way. So I'm looking. I'm actually looking forward to doing that. Uh, there's four endings in Sekiro. And I think with that, I think I'm going to take a really short break. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about the lore of the game and what I thought about that. So um, basically after my general impressions, after this moment, I'm going to get into full spoilers. You've been warned. You've had 21 minutes to warn yourself. So go away if you don't want to hear. If you want to hear, stay and we'll talk about Sekiro. Hey, we're back. It's a quick break. I'm still working on some other temporary uh, intro music and transition music and stuff like that. So hopefully in the next couple weeks I'll be rolling that out. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about Sekiro. Um, Just a reminder, if you guys want to tell me what you think about Sekiro, uh, you can go to www.gamingwithgrief. I thought of my old website and everything. Sorry, it's www.gamingwithgrief.com. And uh, you can go there. Leave me a comment below the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'll, if you want me to read over there, I will. If not, I won't. Or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. And, uh, yeah, cool, man. So let's get into it. Let's talk about full spoilers for Sekiro. You have been warned. I don't know where a klaxon noise is on the computer I'm using, but here is your warning. We're going to talk about spoilers for Sekiro. All right? All right. So there's four endings to Sekiro. There is the return ending, which I mentioned before I did, which is more difficult. You basically fought this fight, you know, the same bosses you would fight and things like that. You just have to find different items <clears throat> to give to a character called the Divine Child. And you give them to her. She basically acts as a cradle for your child. Basically, I've kind of got ahead of myself. The idea of Sekiro is that you are uh, tasked with uh, protecting this boy named Kuro, uh, Kuro who is the divine heir. The dra- he has the dragon heritage. He's, he has a dragon heritage. Basically, he is immortal. He can't even be pierced by a blade. But he, has, he gives you a droplet of his blood. They don't explain that. He gives you a droplet of his blood, so you are now his protector, and you also can be revived and cannot be killed, technically. 
because um, he only have a drop apparently of his blood. What happens is someone kidnaps him because the land that you're in, Ashina, is under attack. And the people that are, uh, this boy is not from Ashina. And uh, what happens is these people, this army comes through. Um, Genichiro is like the grandson. Ishin is the grandfather. They basically want to keep Ashina pure. They want to make a race of warriors basically that is undying so they can keep uh, Ashina pure forever. So I might be mixing some of this up. This is a lot of online um, lore and things that I've looked at. So what happens is uh, in the game, I the boy refused. There's a cutscene where you fight Janichiro afterwards where he says, make me you know, your protector and give me your bloodline. Like, give me your blood. I want to be your protector. I want to have this power. And the boy says, I refuse. Because you see these memories in the game that are like these wisps and you can you can touch them and it's like a kind of a little audio log kind of in a way you listen to a boy talk to people and it's Kiro and there's this interesting one where he's talking to his medic his um medic it's his uh it's his uh what would be his nurse her name's Emma and he's talking to her and he says I don't think this is a blessing I think this is a curse men should die you know because he goes as you can see and like I said earlier in the non-spoiler thing <clears throat> people around you start getting dragon rot. They start coughing. And he believes this sickness is connected to his resurrection. So he wants you to find something called the mortal blade, which is a blade that will take something that is immortal, be able to pierce its skin, and actually kill it. Hence the name the mortal blade. He wants you to cut him with the mortal blade, not strike him down. There's a ceremony he has to go through. So you're tasked with finding these items so he can complete the, the ceremony. You have to burn incense. His blood has to be mixed with the incense. And it, the game takes you to this place uh, called uh, the, the Hall of Illusions. You fight some screen monkeys, which is kind of neat. They hear no evil, see no evil monkeys. You basically have to fight those. It's a really interesting fight. Um, after you do that, you go to this place. Um, it's like a sanctuary. And you meet a girl there. And she's looks like she's sitting. You know, she's sitting. It's very Eastern oriented. It's all in Japan. You know, there's a Buddha statue behind her. There's <clears throat> incense and candles lit. She's there kind of meditating. You come to her, tell her, this is what I'm here. You know, I'm the protector of the dragon heritage, the divine air. And she says, I'm the divine air of the rejuvenating, rejuvenating waters. You talk to her and realize that there's been other people that have been experimenting with this power of giving people immortality. They use the waters in this area, this fountainhead area, and she says they tried it on several people, but I'm the only one that survived. So she's the only child, the divine child of um, the dragon's heritage, basically. So she's basically dying as well. She gives you the mortal blade in a case, and it's sheathed, and she says no man can draw the sword, hence it being the mortal blade. You draw it, and by drawing it, you die. And she says, why do men always, you know, want to draw it? I tell them, you know, she's kind of uh, murmuring to herself. I tell people not to do it and they do it anyway. And because you have the power of resurrection, you actually resurrect in front of her. And then you put the blade back and you put it on your back. And then that's when she realized, that's when you explain you're part of the dragon heritage. And then she says she wants to help you on her quest because just like, um, just like Kuro, she is very sad to be somewhat immortal but she doesn't want to end Kuro's life, which is the ending that I got to, uh, which is the um, return ending. She says, there's something you can do for me. If you don't want Kuro to die, I can act as a cradle 
to hold him uh, while we find a cure, but I need these items. You have to kill the great serpent that's in the game, which is actually, it's more epic than it is hard. You have to just find him in a specific spot, strike him down. You take one of his livers. Then you have to find a dry liver in a cave, and then you give both these livers to her. She locks herself away and eats them, and you can hear her eating them, and it sounds very disgusting, but she's trying to do it. And then what happens is you go back to her, and she says, here, I gave you these tears. You have to go kill the divine dragon and get his tears because his tears will actually allow you to pass away. So it's this long process. So you, you get all this stuff. You go. You fight every enemy in the game. Then you finally strike down the last person who was kidnapped, uh, Kuro. There is another mortal blade. Yours is called the mortal blade. The other one is called the open gate. But because they're both mortal blades, in the end... Uh, Genichiro, uh, who you didn't totally kill in the last fight, comes back and he actually cuts Kiro, which means Kiro would die because he, he hit him with the mortal blade. So right before you kill Genichiro, or Sword Saint Ashen, it's a long story, um, you kill basically the, the grandfather and the son. It's a weird thing in the end where you kill Genichiro very quickly and he uses the mortal blade and cuts himself and his grandfather's ghost comes out of him and wears him like a skin, which is pretty weird. They don't show it all the way, but they kind of allude to that. Long story short, you fight everybody. You give Kiro these uh, frozen dragon tears and these this other item that they turn into something. So I didn't I didn't write it down. Uh, but you basically give him these, and there's this amazing cutscene in the end where you take Kiro's body after he's passed away, and instead of him just rotting, he basically fades into the divine child because you take him to the divine child. She dresses for a journey and says, now we must go west where the divine dragon is and we both must go and return these frozen tears and do this stuff. And, you know, you're basically going on another quest. So you're returning to the west, hence the return ending. Um, I've read a little bit online of what it means. I think it's pretty amazing. You know, there's this idea of like going home that I really like. Um, I like the Odyssey a lot because the idea of like, you know, it's a little bit hectic for me. But the idea of you're like, well, I'm going to go home, you know, so and just trying to get home after a long journey. Uh, I think it's really neat. <clears throat> like I said, there's four endings. The other ending, again, full spoilers that I've looked into is called the purification ending, where you basically just purify the dragon's heritage. You go through many of the same steps that you went through in the first one, but you basically listen to different people and you relive memories in a different way. So you fight a few different bosses and it basically you give Kiro the dragon tears and another item, and this purifies the bloodline so that I guess he passes away, but no one else is able to get the the dragon heritage, which is kind of interesting. The third ending is called Immortality Severed Ending, and it, it literally is you just playing the game and doing the best you can because there's this part in the game where you have the option, you're, the person who trained you to watch the Lord wants you to betray him because he apparently wants the power for himself as well, and you can either stick with the boy or you can stick with your, your master. I decided to stick with the boy because I did think immortality is a curse. I do not think I'd want to be immortal, and I was going for the return ending. So what you do is in the immortality severed ending, you basically just complete the game. When your mentor asks you, who do you want to stick with, me or him? You say uh, him, you fight him, and you go through the end of the game. Then you have the immortality severed ending. Cool. 
The worst ending is the Shura ending, which I think means demon in the game. I don't know if it means it in Japanese, but definitely they're talking about how terrible the Shura are in the game. Uh, you fight a Shura, that's a demon of hatred. There's a couple that you fight. And the idea is you, at the point where your master says, hey, you know, um, you either side with me or you side with the boy. You say, I side with you. So what happens is two of the uh, two of the boy's protectors, his nurse, and the nurse's uh, grandfather comes out, and you fight them then. Two boss battles back-to-back. -back. And if you kill them, technically the game is over. Uh, you become a demon, and uh, it's pretty crazy. So... Um, and you get both Mortal Blades, which I was like, I saw in the cutscene, thought that was pretty badass. Definitely going for that. Um, I got this on PS4. I really want to platinum it. Um, I'm over halfway platinum it. Now I'm to the point of like beating different bosses, just a couple of pickup skills, like upgrading a few things, nothing extravagant, just little things you can pick away here and there. <coughs> I am noticing that I'm going through the game a lot quicker. Bosses that took me hours. Uh, one boss, it took me hours and hours to get through. Uh, I did it on the first try. There's a couple mini bosses that are difficult because they've changed some of the rules of the game to make it more difficult. So there's something called terror, which if your terror tornado builds up all the way, it's an instant death because people known to suffer from terror die. At least that's what it says in the descriptions. So what happens is there's a there's a mini boss you fight that slowly inflicts terror on you. I have an item to take away terror, but now instead of just accumulating terror around him, every time he hits you with his sword, you accumulate a little bit of terror. So I wasn't paying attention to that, and I just thought, oh, I almost got him. But he was inflicting terror every time that I deflected one of his blades. So yeah, I guess you have to beat him quickly or just not take terror. I don't know. But um, I'm going more quickly through the game, and obviously you know where to go, too. Since I've done all this elaborate stuff, I'm, I'm just going for the next ending. I'm really just kind of going through the steps so I can, um, you know, I can quickly go through the game, and it's going faster. So I think all in all, I really like Sekiro. Um, the only complaint I have is uh, from software, people have talked about how terrible hitboxes are. You know, like people can kind of hit you through walls. You don't really know what angle you're at sometimes. Sometimes the death blow mechanic is uh, a little bit wonky, but in other times it's forgiving where you'll hit it early because you've done it so much. You go, oh, I can be right here. Even though the back of their body or wherever you're trying to get it from has a big red dot on it, you think, I'm close enough. Sometimes you'll take a swipe at them, but then it'll appear after that, which is nice. So I guess that's a good balance. Um, some, and some of the enemies are ridiculously hard. I think some of that is to the fact that uh, if you're in a corridor or a tight space, the camera kind of pulls out at a weird angle, which is a big complaint in really any game with a third-person camera. Sometimes you hit a wall, and just like any, any game, sometimes you get stuck on a rock or a pillar, like when you're trying to dodge or move out of the way, and your posture's broken so you can't deflect, and uh, sometimes that's terrible. I mean, but those to me, those are all very small gripes. I think it's a great game. Um, I really loved it. Um, I guess thanks for sticking around for the spoiler cast. Um, so yeah, um, cool. Uh, I think this is my first big spoiler cast. So again, this will hit Monday um, at www.gamingwithgrief.com. It'll be on SoundCloud uh, Saturday night. Um, if you want to drop me a line, go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line and I'll read it on the show if you want me to. If not... 
that's it. So you know what, guys? Uh, have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you guys next week.